Well, good morning. Thanks for being here today. My name is Daniel Grothy and Associate Senior Pastor here, lead the Friday Night Congregation. And uh, Pastor Brady and Pam, they are beginning a little bit of a summer vacation. They just finished their 14th year here at New Life, and they're beginning their 15th year. And the last year has been a wild one, and we said, you need to go away and take some time. And so can we give it up for Brady and Pam Boyd for all they've done to serve our church, to lead us well. We pray refreshment and blessing over you guys. Go away, turn your phones off. We got this. Uh, you'll be stuck with me the next few weeks. So anyway, if you open your Bible, we're, uh, we're continuing our series through the book of Proverbs, uh, the series called How Do I? And we're looking at Solomon's wisdom, the ancient Israelite wisdom on how to live life and to continue to walk through faithfully. And so today I'm going to continue part two in this series of uh, the power of words. Uh, pa- Pastor Brady preached on this last week, and I'm going to pick back up where he left off. In Proverbs 18:21, Solomon says this, the tongue has the power of life and death. Everyone say life and death. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Lord, we ask that you'd speak to us today. We press pause, we come into your presence, and we say we need to hear your word. We don't need to hear my words. We don't need to be entertained. We don't need to be clever here today. We need the spirit of the living God to speak. So we say, Lord, come and walk these aisles, walk these rows, walk our hearts. Make us your people afresh today. May your word change us and challenge us and shape us, and transform us, and make us the people of God afresh. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, says Solomon. We can go back and think through some of the greatest moments in our lives, these moments that almost you can taste them, you can feel them. There's like this visceral response when you think about some of the greatest moments in your life, And if you trace back to those moments, very often they'll be synced up with these incredible words that were spoken over us. I remember being tucked in as a child by my mom and dad who were here and them reading the scriptures over us. We love you and we bless you and we we pray God's best over you. And some of those greatest moments are marked by the power of words. Death and life, life are in the power of the tongue. If you can trace back to some of your worst memories walking the planet. Very often, they'll be, they'll be traced back to words of, of death that were spoken over you, words of, of curse, words of uh, speaking down to you. And, and Solomon says the stakes are high, and death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 15, verse 1, maybe some of you will have read it before, and I remember as a kid hearing my parents tell it to me and my three sisters, a soft answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up strife. When when the house was about to explode with strife, they would say a soft answer. Bring it down, y'all. We all understand how high the stakes are with the power of our words. And think about it. On the very first page of the Bible, we learn the power of the spoken word. Genesis 1, and God said, let there be light. 
and there was. It was a word that flung the cosmos into being. And when the ancient Israelites got off track and they wandered away to worship at the the altars of some idol, what would God do? He wouldn't send in uh, an angelic host. He would send in a prophet that he rose, uh, caused to rise up among the people. And the prophets would stand among the people of God and they would say, thus saith the Lord. And God would reclaim his people by a word, the power of our words. Jesus himself is spoken of in John chapter 1 verse 14 as the word of God that was made flesh dwelling among us. He himself is the word incarnate. And words, I want you to see this, that from the very first page of scripture we see that words create worlds. Words create worlds. And words are still creating worlds. There there was a a dad years and years ago who would come up to me after each service and we would pray down front and he was carrying his little boy and he would, I'd say, how's the week guys and what's going on? How can I pray? And and the dad would start talking about his son. Oh, you know, terrible twos and he's a terror and all. And I just, I stopped him. I said, you have to quit. I will not let you say that. Why? Because words create worlds and you could feel the darkness come in as he would speak evil over his son. And I wanted to shut that down and say, no, speak life over your son. And we also know that words create life. The first thing that I want to say to you today, I want to ask the question, so how do we make sure that our words are life-giving and not death-dealing? How do we make sure? The first thing I want to say today is you got to learn to be quiet. You hear the power of silence? Lisa and I, we've been married uh, just this week, 16 years. We're starting our 17th year. And, and when we moved out here 16 years ago to start working at New Life Church, uh, you know, one car, little apartment, we were starting our life together. And, you know, as, as two are becoming one, figuring out how to live together and manage money together and build schedules together and what, are, what food are we going to eat and all this, sometimes there's conflict. And so at, at, at times we would, you know, come into one of those moments and it'd be 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night and we're just trying to figure it out. Just, oh my God, get emotional. Ah. And we realized if we trace back all of our emotional conversations, they were all after 10 o'clock at night. We are stupid after 10 o'clock at night. And we realized like, fool me once, you know, but like, fool me twice, that's on us. We realize if you see a pattern, so we have the 10 o'clock rule. We don't talk about anything important after 10 o'clock. And Lisa will ask me a question sometimes about a budget issue, and it's 10.02, and I'll go, ain't got nothing for you. Learn when to be silent. Learn when to not go there. And not, you know what a fight is? A fight is just one person who has strong energy because either they've been wronged or they've been offended, and, and they come with that energy, and someone responds with that same energy. That's a fight. When the energy's there, though, and there's no one to clash against, the thing goes away. A soft answer turns away. Wrath, you've got to learn when to be silent. Proverbs teaches us that sometimes the wisest thing to do is to say absolutely nothing. Proverbs 10, 19, I remember my dad telling me this as a kid. I can hear it in his voice and six foot six guy, you know. And he would say to us, when words are many, sin is not absent. The translation he used, in the presence of many words, there wanteth not sin. I'll give you the NIV today. But when there's many words, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. And I'll just suggest that our societal foolishness 
is found in our belief that we should say everything that we think. Just pull up social media. Just people saying everything they think at every given moment and they think that it's contributing to the world's good. And, and I'll just say to you, it's not. Have you ever noticed the phrase, you know, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. And typically when we say, I'm just saying, what, if you translated it, it, it would be something like, my conscience, is telling, my conscience is telling me to shut up, but I'm going to ignore it anyway and just say, I'm just saying. And it's sarcastic, and it's just throwing logs on the cultural fire. It's throwing logs on our relationships. And, 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 and the thing is exploding. If you'll take those logs off and pour some water on it, the fire will go out. Sometimes you have to learn that the best thing you can do is be Silent. Solomon said in chapter 17, even fools are thought wise if they keep their mouth shut. And so we, first thing today, if we want to make sure that our words are life-giving and not death-dealing, we have to learn when the best response is silence. The second thing, simple thing here, is learn to give your words away as a gift. Learn to give your words away as a gift. We have three kids and we send them into school during the school year and we're always talking to them about the power of their words and we'll create situations as we're driving through carpool and we're about to drop them off. Okay, kids, you're gonna go in and at lunchtime today, you're gonna see someone sitting at the table by themselves and they're gonna be in the corner and what do you do? You're a growthy, you're, you're, you're marked by the, the spirit of the living God and the word of God is in you. Go over and find them and pull them into the center. Sit down with them, make them your friend. Ask them good questions, encourage them. Speak life, give your words away as a gift. It will cost you nothing and it might be the greatest gift they ever receive. It's not that hard. Kids, you're going to be on the playground and someone's going to say something, call you stupid and push you down. And, and what do you do? Do you strike back? Do you match their energy with the same amount? of? No. A soft answer turns away wrath. Jesus said, turn the other cheek. Go find a teacher. Let the teacher sort it out. Give your words away as a gift. I, I'm, I'm sitting looking at Rich and Becky Caldwell right here. And they've been around this church forever. I, I, how long have you been married? 42 years they've been married and serving God and serving each other, serving New Life Church. They raised their children in this church and they've volunteered all through the years. I don't have any memories at New Life without the Caldwells being deeply entrenched in the life of this place. And they, they, they've served the special needs community in Colorado Springs for all of those years. And they've laid down their lives and they've been generous with their money and they've been generous with their resources. They've been generous with their time. And these are people of God. And I want to be like them one day. I'm not just up here saying this, I want to be like them someday. Do you see how an environment can get created with life-giving words? These people are people of God and they deserve to be praised among the people of God. And saints, we can, it doesn't cost us anything to give away gifts. And so learn how to use your words as the greatest gift that someone else might ever receive. We as the people of God can change the environment with our words, I'll say it this way, matching the sin of the unkind word is the sin of the kind word that goes unsaid. We just think, you know, don't, don't say the wrong thing. 
So very often we have this like do no harm approach. Well, I don't want to break someone's life with with the negative power of my word, so I'm just going to go tuck in the corner over here and not mess anything up. No, Jesus said go and be a blessing. Jesus sends us out to change the world. Jesus calls us to be on the front foot, not on the back foot. And and with our words, we can be on the front foot and, and, and give our words away as a gift. As a pastor, I do funerals and I go into hospitals and I sit with people in end-of-life situations. And then at the funeral, people stand up and say the most beautiful things about these people deceased. And I, I, I ask myself the question, I wonder if they heard that. We have this strange thing of saying the greatest things about these people when they're gone. What if we actually flipped the script and and gave those words away in the here and in the now when people could receive them and enjoy them and their lives can be bolstered by them and they can walk with that pep in their step? Why? The people of God understand that we have the power of life in our words and we can give that away as our greatest gift. Can you say amen today, church? Let's be these people. The third thing I want you to hear today about the power of our words. How do we ensure that our speech is life-giving and not death-dealing? I'll say it this way. Learn the language of God in the presence of God. Learn the language of God. You know, we've got this book here. Very often, I think people, Christians think, oh, I should read the Bible because it's just a, a duty. I, you know, God told me to, and, you know, I'll meditate on your laws day and night. Like, it's like busy work from the heavenlies. God made cre- you know, creation and created Adam and Eve. What am I gonna have them do? Oh, shoot, well, I got a 124th of their day. Let's you know, busy it up with the... No, like, why do we hide our face in this book? We hide our face in this book because these words will retrain our words. These words will re-identify us. These words will teach us how to bless those that curse us. These words will show us stories where people prayed for those who despitefully used them. These words will show us what it looks like to go out into the world to be the people of God. And I've got good news for you and me today. Israel's greatest prophet, the man Isaiah, was a man who lived so many years botching it with his words. We think of these prophets as like these airtight figures in history who just did it all right. No, Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter six, I want you to see this story. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord and he was high and exalted, seated on a throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. So there was political and national turmoil and Isaiah goes to church one day and he sees this vision and above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces, and with two, they covered their feet, and with two, they were flying. Verse three, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And verse five, woe to me, I cried. Isaiah is in the presence of the Lord and he sees the angels and he hears the the worship of heaven. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And Isaiah goes, unholy, unholy, unholy. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And here in this moment, my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Isaiah had spent so many years of his life squandering his words, misusing his words, living among a people who were striking each other down with their words, living among a people who were trying to defeat each other with their words. And Isaiah, in this moment, in the presence of the Lord, he, 
He comes to a realization of how much he's botched it, but the story doesn't stop there. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altars. Picture this scene, Isaiah, my lips are unclean, the people's lips are unclean, and in this moment, a seraphim flies with a hot coal from the altar, and with it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Folks, there's hope, there's hope, there's hope. We may have botched it up to this point. We may have these memories and moments in our, in our past where people either spoke death over us or we spoke death over other people. And, and, and we come in this moment and we say, woe is me, but God doesn't leave us there. In the presence of the Lord, we hear the word of the Lord and we get that holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty deep down in our bones and deep down in our psyche. And that transforms our language so that we can go out. Verse eight. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. And then the Lord said to him, go and tell this people. So we see Isaiah starts with unclean lips. Woe is me and the nation is falling apart. And then the hot coal touches his lips and transforms him and purifies him. And then God sends him out into the world to be a blessing, so I'll say it this way, time in the presence of God, being reshaped by the words of God, prepares us to go speak the words of God to the world. We come in today needing this kind of Isaiah 6 moment. We need time in the presence of God. We need to come into the temple and the doorposts and the, and the threshold shakes as we worship and we see the king of, of glory and we're transformed and we realize how, how far we, we've fallen short of the glory of God and we've messed up, but God doesn't leave us there. He comes today to cleanse us and to transform us and to make us new and to make us his people and to send us back out into the world. Can you say amen today, church? What I want us to do is to stand. I want you to get your communion elements ready. The band is going to come. We're gonna have this moment here in the presence of the Lord where we respond and we let Jesus do what only Jesus can do for us. To get started, before we come to the table of the Lord, it's time to repent. It's time to ask for mercy, for forgiveness, for a retraining of our words in the presence of the Lord. So this prayer of confession is going to come up on the screen, and I want us to join together in praying it. I want us to put all of our lives on the table, on the altar today, and say, Lord, we need your help. So if you can join me in praying this prayer of confession, let's pray this together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought and word and deed. By what we have done, and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name and all God's people said, Amen. Church, I have good news for you. The gospel proclamation is, if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord 
and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. If we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We stand here today made clean. Can you say amen? If you'll open your communion elements here. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, sat with his disciples, his people. And today, by the power of his Holy Spirit, he stands with us across the table and he makes eye contact with us. Knowing we have so much brokenness, knowing that we have unclean lips and we dwell among a people of unclean lips, and Jesus is here, not mad at us, but with mercy in his eyes. He's here to feed us and to give us drink today. He's here to reconstitute us as his people. And so Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. Will you break that little wafer in your hands? He broke it and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And as often as you do this, do this for the remembrance of me. Jesus says, I'll step into your brokenness so that you can be made whole. I'll be shattered so that you can be put back together. And every time we come to the table of the Lord, we're being remembered. We're being put back together. Saints, you may receive the body of Christ broken for you. And on that same night that he was betrayed, he took the cup. And he said to his people, this cup is the new covenant given in my blood. It's gonna cost me everything. I'm willing to go to the cross for you. I'm willing, there's nothing that I withhold from you. It's given in my blood and it's given for the remission of your sins. All of your guilt is wiped away. All of your past is buried in the sea of forgetfulness. All of the old story and the old script and the very worst moments that you bring to the table of the Lord is being sunk in the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus and you're being raised up with him in new life friends today your sins are forgiven you as often as you do this jesus says remember me you may drink the cup we're going to do something special here and i want to call all the kids i'm going to call an audible here in the service any of you young kids who want to come up on the stage. I want you to come up on the stage right now. Parents are starting to sweat right now. People are freaked out right now. Any of you kids, come on. And parents, adults, let's give it up for these kids. Come on, come on kids, come on. Any of you who want to come up on stage, I want you to help us lead this last song. Yep, keep coming, keep coming, yep. Come on kiddos. Right up here and come up to the front, come on. Yes ma'am, glad you're here today. Come on, yep. Jump right up. What's up, dude? How are you? Good to see you. Yeah. Hi, what's up? Come on. Come on up, kids. Good to see you. Yeah, right there. That's perfect. Okay, so we're going to sing Great Are You, Lord. We're going to worship, and these kids are going to help lead us in worship in this last song because these kids are the future. Do you see the future of the church, the future of the kingdom of God, the people who are going to rise up and go bless the world? They're right here on this stage. They're excited. They're about to jump off. (laughs) So what we're going to do is we're going to sing, Great Are You, Lord. And kids, hey, kids, look at me. 
Look at me. I want you to lift your hands. I want you to sing at the top of your lungs. I want you to dance. Lead this congregation in worship, okay? Let's sing, Great Are You, Lord. Come on, let's sing, You Give Life. You give life.
right, church, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stretch your hands out to these kids. We're going to pray blessing, okay? And I want you to pray. It took the first service about a minute to figure this out. Like, pray as if they are the future. Pray as if these are your children, because guess what? They are. In the body of Christ, this is your family. So pray blessing, pray peace, pray joy, pray that they'd hear the Lord's voice. Lord, we pray for these kids. And we pray from their earliest days they would hear the voice of Jesus that they would love you and serve you with all of their heart and soul and mind and strength. We pray that these children would hear your voice and the voice of the stranger they would not follow. We pray, Lord, that you'd open the windows of heaven over them and pour out blessing on them. We pray, Psalm 512, that the favor of the Lord would surround these kids like a shield. We pray that you would keep them from evil. I mean, can, can we say amen? Keep them from evil, Lord. Keep them from darkness keep them from hatred, keep them from the hand of the enemy. And so Lord, we pray, bless them and keep them and make your face shine upon them and be gracious. Lord, smile big on them and grant them peace. And now kids, stretch your hands out toward the old people. <laughs> stretch out your hands, all right? And I want you to pray blessing. Lord, I pray that we adults in this congregation would be made like children again. Jesus, you said, unless you become like one of these little ones, you'll miss out on the kingdom of God. So I pray, Lord, that we would become childlike again. I pray that you would give us childlike faith. I pray that you would give us boldness. I pray that you would give us openness and tenderness. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be able to make friends like they can make friends in a really divided world. I pray that these children would teach us and show us what it's like to follow Jesus. And so, Lord, we pray blessing over this congregation. And Lord, for all of us today, send us out of here in your grace and your peace. And all God's people said, amen. Can we give it up today for what the Lord has done in this place? All right, parents, here's the rule. You got to go home with at least as many children as you brought. Preferably the same children. <laughs> hey, I want to invite our prayer team to come down. Kids, you can go find mom and dad. We want to invite our prayer team to come down. We would love to pray with any of you about any issues you may have. So go from here today in God's grace and God's peace. Much love.